Um, I am uh, part of Eastgate and I kind of recognise quite a few faces as my class is sort of Eastgate and in terms of, just in terms of church life is community so yeah I, I love the fact that this is community and we get to sort of see so many different faces I know your face, I'm like, hi! <laughs> Healing Centre, I'm part of the team at uh, Healing Centre um, and uh, we, we have fantastic, a fantastic time first Saturday, third Saturday of each month we have the privilege of seeing God do wonderful things, and we don't do anything at all. In fact, if you want to say the phrase, you know, if it was a job, say working in the healing centre, we're very bad at what we do. <laughs> actually, we don't do it. We're there, which helps. But actually, God is quite capable of doing stuff without us touching, laying hands on people. And stuff. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. This is really fun. Um, I actually have to, I have to say... Um, the, uh, the song we're singing, I am a child of God. Amen. You know, we talk about God being present in an, at- in an atmosphere, and I felt there was a change in that moment. Yes. And, and when we started to engage with truth, that I am no longer a slave to fear, yeah. but I am a child of God. Um, and what I felt heaven's response was, there's a responsibility that goes with saying, I am a child of yeah. God. Yeah, that's good. Often when we sing that song, we're coming from the perspective of, oh, and by the way, I had to sit down there about five minutes ago and completely kind of redo what I thought I was going to say this morning. So much fun. <laughs> but this is what I felt was on that moment. Often when we, we say these things um, and sing those songs, in the moment we're thinking of what we've been going through, the reality of God in our life this week, this day, this moment, the last few months... Um, the battles we may have been facing, the triumphs, the wonderful things that we've seen happening in everyday life. And we say, yeah, I am a child of God and I am no longer a slave of fear. But what would happen if every single one of us, each one of us in this room, truly, truly understood what I am a child of God looks like? What would happen if the church, the bride, the beautiful bride of Christ, all the different ex- uh, expressions, the streams, the denominations, but having that one thing in common, which is this power of the power of God, of Holy Spirit in us, what would happen if every single one of us, when we, we, we know that we are a child of God, what that looks like? There's something fascinating I came across in Jeremiah. Um, if you want to have a look, it's Jeremiah 3, verse 19. <coughs> We, we talk a lot now, and, and even more so probably in the last 10, 15 years, of um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so on. Uh, for some of us growing up, I didn't have a, a, a... I wasn't born again until I was 27, so this was something that we would obviously just pray. It was in school. And more and more it's become almost the undercurrent of, of what it is that we do, you know, on earth, as it is in heaven. But there's that first line where it says, Our Father. Jeremiah 3.19, he says, I thought to myself, this is God. He's thinking to himself, this is a father. So I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. 
I looked forward to you calling me Father. And I wanted you to never turn from me. I looked forward to you calling me Father. My understanding is that no one called God Father until Jesus came on the scene. And that was one of the things that offended people. How can you call God your Father? Yes. I mean, it offended him even more. He said, well, actually, I am God, but that's another story. Um, but in that moment, there's, there's that moment where when Jesus was speaking to the disciples, he said, oh, how are we going to pray? And he tells them, turns around and says, say this, our Father. Every time that we come to him and say, Father, I imagine now his heart just going, can you imagine where he says, I've waited for that moment where you would call me Father. So the disciples are there, there's Peter and all the rest, and they're like, okay, can you imagine like heaven leaning in, almost like everyone in heaven, every, every creature, everything create, everything of heaven just leaning in, going, this is the moment, God's heart swelling, this is the moment, this is the moment. And that first syllable, breath, that came out of one of the disciples' mouths when they went, Father, boom. It was almost like in that moment, it was something was about to start that would never stop and could never stop. Because in that moment, we're talking about adoption, we're talking about sonship, uh, we're talking about um, all of heaven being released and all of heaven being in us through the Holy Spirit. Mm. In that moment, the Father had been thinking about this and his dream came true. When he created the world, he shaped, formed and fashioned the world. And it said Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. Um, that word, when you look at it, um, it, it talks about caressing and holding. Holy Spirit was completely surrounding what God had spoken into existence. And here was a canvas on which all of his goodness and all his dreams were about to be released. And we get to partner with him. So that when we come to Christ, we get the Holy Spirit in us. And we return to that place. And return to the place of the original commission in the garden. Where he basically said, it's all yours. Let it look like heaven on earth. So there's the responsibility. And it's a beautiful one. And you know what? When we sing, we're no longer a slave to fear. Fear is the very thing that will hold us back from doing some outrageously crazy things. (laughs) But it's so much fun when you do it. Because every time you see something happen, every time you even get as far as thinking you could say to someone, excuse me, um, I was wondering, do you have a headache? Because you're stood in Tesco, it's just down there in a queue. And they turn around and say, well, yeah, I did. How did you know? You said, well, I'm, it might sound a bit strange, I'm, I'm learning to hear from God. And he, he loves people and he doesn't want you to have a headache. And the person is, okay. And the headache goes away. Now, if that, you'd never got to that stage. If the person had actually turned around and said, go away, in whatever language they choose to use to tell you go away, <laughs> have you failed? At what point did you succeed? Do you even want to use that word? Yes, the one. As soon as you even have the thought that it's possible, you've risked. Before you've even taken that step, you've risked. Because what you're doing is you're changing the way that you think. Because the battleground is not necessarily... Well, the battleground is in the mind. 
The battleground is what we think to be possible. We say nothing is impossible. John 14, 12 says, whoever believes in me will do these things and even greater. goes on to then say, ask and I'll do it. So if we take that as standard, as the standard, when he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons and cleanse lepers, that's basic Christianity. That's the simplicity of the good news of the kingdom, is that we're sons and daughters who carry the wholeness and the presence of God, and that wherever we go, we can expect to see these things happen. The I am no longer a slave to fear bit is when we're walking down the road and going, okay, well, this is who I am. I am. Sorry, girls, I know. We are sons of God. Guys, you're a bride. It works both ways. If we just take it in terms of sonship, in terms of what that means to be a son, fully adopted with all of the rights, all of the inheritance, and he is in us. So the kingdom of heaven and the heart of its king cannot be represented without signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus didn't do it that way. If he'd done it that way, it would be okay. Problem is he didn't. I had to face the fact about five years ago that I wasn't actually seeing what the Bible said I should see. And that came about because someone came into the church I was at at the time, who I used to work with, and I trusted. Um, I knew, I think it says, uh, C.S. Lewis said about Jesus, he's either lying, he's, uh, he's mad, or he's telling the truth. And I had to face the fact that I had someone in front of me who I had trusted with my life. I, many years ago I used to be a police officer and I worked with him. So I trusted him, and what had happened was he had talked about signs, wonders, and miracles, and I had to choose to believe that he was telling the truth. I then went back to the Bible and it said, these signs will follow those that believe. These signs were not following me, not that I was aware of, and I was not even aware it was possible. So therefore, the question was, who kind of needs to change? (laughs) I'm not going to win on that one. And I literally repented. I had to change the way that I thought. And this whole thing of repentance and changing the way we think to see the presence of God manifest, to see the kingdom come, I think is a continual process. So if someone tells you a story of something that they have seen happen, whether it's personal, in terms of a provision of God or healing, and then you, uh, you hear that story, how many people sometimes when you hear the story think, did that happen? I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Only me. Okay. (laughs) It's really interesting that someone you know and trust can tell you the story that, you know, their wrist was really hurting and now their wrist doesn't hurt anymore. And the result of the reason this happened was because they were prayed for. Um, Or someone can tell you that they had a neurological condition that effectively, without medication, uh, is not something that can get better, and yet they then have um, an encounter with God, and they get their sight back. That happened to us. Uh, We were in a church in Norwich. So I used to be a police officer, and then I joined the ambulance service. I did seven years as a police officer, then I joined the London Ambulance Service, of which I did 16 years in the ambulance service. The last four years I've now been working in a minor injury unit, in a local area where I live. I work for the NHS, and uh, we went to a church in Norwich, and a lady there also works for the NHS. She had had a stroke at the age of 26. And is anyone else who works in the NHS? Any medical yeah, heads here? Yeah. Excellent. So this is interesting. 
Medical heads go all sorts of places with this. This is awesome. It's sometimes good, it's sometimes not. This lady had lost her peripheral vision because of the damage to her brain. She works uh, within the NHS. Uh, We got to pray for her for a problem with her neck. She then starts to say how her neck is completely pain-free, and also she's now starting to be able to see properly. And we think, well, why? You didn't mention anything about your sight. Uh, her husband is, is, was experiencing the presence of God himself. He's laying on the floor. She said, well, I want to check it out with my husband. And I like that. She wanted to include her husband and wanted to check it out. So she waited a short while. And on the Sunday morning, she stood before the whole church who know her and said, my sight has been restored. Mm-hmm. As you're listening to these stories, what's happening within your thinking can determine what you may see. But it's okay. It's really okay to kind of have those thoughts. It's what you do with them and where do you go with them. I think it's, it's just happened. You know, did that really happen? I heard a story about a foot that was completely recreated. Whoa. <laughs> it was a story I heard. I, I, I saw it. Uh, I watched the, um, the, the YouTube thing. Now, you can choose to think, are they lying? Did it really happen? Um, How did that happen? All of those thoughts were going through my head to some degree or another, and then Holy Spirit said to me one word. (laughs) One word that related to an experience that I had with him, which I am not going to go into. But here's the conclusion I came to. This one word pulled me back into a place of... This experience I went through with him was so out there and so weird that I've only ever told four people. But this one word pulled me back, and he basically said, you have, no, you have lost the right to come to any other conclusion. <coughs> because if I was to tell you the experience, a lot of you would think, that is really weird. <laughs> anyway, what we do with what we hear can determine what we see. So testimony is vitally important. This book that was recreated is no different to someone being raised from the dead. When someone's raised from the dead, there are biological processes that go on within the body that you can't see. No. Cells have to be recreated. Cells die, they have to be recreated. So why should it be any different when someone's foot or hand or whatever is recreated? The issue is you can actually see it, and that's the problem. Or not, as the case may be. <laughs> so, healing is an expression of the outrageous, unrelenting torrent of grace that flows from the heart of God. There's a great quote, and it basically says, Jesus did not heal the sick in order to coax them to become Christians. He healed because it was his nature to heal. And this unrelenting torrent of grace is inside of us. Um, I was working with a colleague who has this hip issue, so sometimes when she's at work she finds it quite difficult to walk around the, the unit, the minor injury unit where we work. Um, and I've told them stuff that, I, that we've seen. I don't hide it. I do not hide the fact that we get to see, on a weekly basis, God do incredible things, whether it's healing, um, signs, wonders and miracles across the board. And here's what you have to kind of juggle with. Are you two people or are you one person? Mm-hmm. Why is it you can talk about it within the walls of a church, but you don't have the same boldness? We can't have the same boldness when we go into our workplace, which is the very place that Jesus is, because we're here, and we're there. So, 
I've talked to them about what's happened. I've talked to them about the, the healing and other aspects of what goes on. I'm sure sometimes you might get a little bit of a funny sideward glance or a few comments. I would have told someone to go away quite... Well, before I became a Christian, I had quite a... <laughs> I was quite good with language, but it wasn't particularly pleasant. So I really wasn't interested in all of this sort of stuff. So, anyway... My colleague uh, was sat, and now if I put my hand on my colleague's hip, with lots of people walking past, may look a bit odd, may need some explaining, why have you got your hand on your colleague's hip? Anyway, so I said, well look, um, you know, like I've talked to you about how I believe that Jesus is in me, and she said, yes. I said, well, could you imagine like I'm a jug? (laughs) Right. And I'm just going to pour God's love over your hip. She looked at me and went, okay. <laughs> so I sat there, you know, and, and I, this is all I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all I did. Nothing offensive in that. <laughs> no proselytizing going on in the NHS with that one. In other words, no telling her she has to believe something or otherwise. Just simply the love of God Mm. flowing over her and her faith making her well. Mm. Because what happened was the hip completely, or the pain in the hip completely left. Mm. The look on her face within a sketch went, it's gone, it's gone! Quite a bit dramatic. (laughs) 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 Embellishment. And then she went, you've done it again. Yeah. I said, it's Jesus. And he loves you. And from that moment, for the rest of the shift, she's constantly saying, she looked at, she went into a cubicle and looked this way and went, I said, yeah, it's Jesus. I shouted down the corridor, it's Jesus. <laughs> anyway, to walking to the car park, she said the same thing. So every moment there was an opportunity to say, this is Jesus. This power that you've yeah. experienced is Jesus. Interestingly enough, my colleague and a couple of others, they, they have an awareness of the spiritual realm. They have an awareness. It's, a, it's real. And so, in some ways, her concept of me doing this wasn't, she wasn't too put off, but it was, a, it was her faith making her well. So this is the workplace, this is what we can expect to see. I call it the jug of love story, it's kind of how I kind of describe it, but that's who we are. We are literally walking vessels of, of love, of presence. Yeah. And I have this thing about the signature of heaven is love. Yes. And we are like uniquely crafted pens in the hands of a good, good father through which the presence of God flows into every area of life. And, and we, get to, we get to see God work and then it's like he takes us and he writes over people's lives with the indelible signature of love over their lives. And this doesn't always necessarily mean that we have to actively be praying for people, to be laying hands on people. If he is in us, then he does leak out of us. It's, it's not like he's kind of contained in us. There is far more going on around us than we realise. Yeah. Yeah. So I know a lot of you guys talking to Jamie and as, as a church, you guys are uh, in terms of words of knowledge and healing and, and seeing God move. And sometimes we can get kind of a little tied up in how we can see these things happen. So we have a word of knowledge. It's information we couldn't possibly know. Yes. And then we say, okay, um, so uh, right shoulder, for example, uh, so then, do we actually need to pray for that person? Question, do we need to pray for them? What do you think? Okay, why do we need to pray for them? 
just out of interest. Okay. If a word of knowledge is information that we couldn't possibly know and is therefore announcing God's intention, yes. then he is saying, I am healing the right shoulder. As soon as we speak that word out of our mouths, we can say to that person, check your shoulder out. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just turning some of our thinking around of why do we actually need to physically lay hands on people. There it, we do, and we get to do that. But there are so many other different ways that God moves. And words of knowledge are powerful. That when you can go to someone, we were on the street the other day, um, we decided, we, <laughs> a few of us just decided to go to a local high street. Um, and obviously once the shops close, some of the guys, some of the girls, use some of the doorways to, to sleep in. It's the only dry place that they have. There's one lady that um, I got to know a little while ago, and I didn't realise the person that was with me had also been kind of getting to know this particular person. And my friend has come out of a lifestyle. She was addicted to drugs for for a number of years and also knows a lot of the people that are are staying in that part of the high street. So I had no idea that she knew this person. So, hi, how are you doing? Sat down. I thought she was meant to be an accommodation. That had fallen through. So as I'm talking to this this lady, I just heard in my my heart, you know, words of noise, ovarian pain. So you're not going to jump on that straight away. We're chatting. This is love. This is kind of like... You know, what else is going on in your life? And at the particular moment where it was appropriate, I just said, hey, Lisa, you got any pain around here? Like in your ovary, I should I have? I was like, oh, she said, I've just taken some pain relief. I said, oh, thank goodness for that. Because what's the point? Is it that we get to pray and see God move and we have another story to tell? Or is it, well, I've taken some pain relief. Oh, I'm so glad that means that you're not going to be in pain anymore. Is it the fact that someone is well? Or do we actually need to feel like we've done something to make them well? Amen. So, I mean, uh, you hear sort of quite a, quite a good story. You've got a headache and you um, and pray for you and the headache doesn't go away and you take some pain relief and then the headache goes away. Great. Just really cool. So basically we're saying to her, so, well, look, can I, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah. So she described kind of feeling like tingling and heat going through her body, and she experienced the love and power of God for herself. And we talked a little bit more, and then I had this picture of her riding a horse on horseback, um, bareback on riding a horse, bareback, that was it. And uh, I said, well, this is a bit of a strange picture, and I explained what I was seeing, and she said basically when she was a child and much younger, in a happier time in her life, she used to take horses out onto the beach, and she would ride them bareback. And she said, but with reins. I said, I saw it without reins. And then we are able to talk to her about God's freedom for her and how the Holy Spirit sometimes can be represented by a horse. So we were explaining this. And then I said, like, what's going on with your feet? And she said, well, I twisted my ankle a little while ago. But a friend of mine who um, practices Reiki came and she, she sort of did something with my feet. I said, oh, okay, can I bless your feet? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to touch them. So I just put my hands over the top of her feet. And she described feeling her feet like on fire. And I said, yeah, God's blessing your feet. So this is someone who's living on the street who doesn't yet know who Jesus is, but is on a, in on a journey of getting to know who Jesus is. Same there was a guy down the street and he had a problem with his back. Um, he didn't tell me he got a problem with his back. And I just kind of said to him, so your back problem is being healed right now. There's a word of knowledge. And he said, yeah. And the pain had gone. 
That's because God releases, through words of knowledge, his intention. And we get to experiment and be brave. Amen. Like, yes. what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Or they say, well, it's not really changing. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, they get to stick a hand on their back. But how about we start to think about different ways that we can see the presence of God move and the love and power of God move. Because ultimately, we have a 24-7 party going on inside of us. If you're aware of that, strange phrase. We have Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we have peace and joy within us. Joy looks like something. It doesn't mean to say we always have to be going, yay! But there are moments sometimes when you're at work and you're out and about, and if you just take the moment just to say, just acknowledge what's going on inside of me right now. That's what I'm talking about, the 24-7 party. 24-7 hours, 24-7, 24 hours a day, he is present in you, you are in him. That is where the fullness of the access of the presence of God resides, not the physical not what we're thinking, but what's here. But what can actually prevent or... Yeah, what can prevent sometimes that being released is our thinking. Mm-hmm. If we don't believe it to be true, we don't believe that we could just walk down the street and see something happen, then we're not likely to necessarily be aware of it because we're not looking out for it. I'm going to tell one more story. Probably leading something else. Um, well, actually, I, I, just on that... Here's an, I just think an encouragement. There's probably a few things to that. I've been reading around this, and you know, and, and you grow and you're experimenting and you're seeing fun stuff happen. Um, in Acts five, verses twelve to sixteen. So in Matthew eight, we've already um, we're talking about Jesus and basically that everyone that came to him was healed. Do you know that everyone came to the apostles were healed? It says so at various points. We miss it sometimes. The disciples, all they knew was everyone was healed. That's all they knew. There are, there are places, which we can go into now, but there are places, Nazareth, for example, where he could only do a few. He could only heal a few. Couldn't do any miracles there. Um, and the, when you look at that, they weren't receiving Jesus for who he was. They thought they knew who he was. Yes. But the apostles, uh, Acts 5, verse 12 to 16, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. <clears throat> Nevertheless, more and more people, men and women, believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow... might fall on some of them as he passed by crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed as a result people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them How is it that they knew to do that? It wasn't a one-time occurrence. 
the testimony is such, the stories, the, the stories of the goodness of God, news travels. <coughs> Can you imagine that someone maybe just walked past Peter one time, maybe they had a shriveled up hand, and as they walked past, the hand opened up. Peter would not necessarily been aware of what was going on. He was probably on his way for sandwiches or something. <laughs> and yet this person went, I don't know what's going on, but when I'm near Peter, something happens. Yeah. That same thing that we used to have when Jesus was around. Mm. You know, that, that thing that we wanted to be around him. That thing that when we were around him, we started to feel better. Yeah, and it's happening with this guy, Peter. <laughs> and that story then travels. And someone else goes, okay... So something else happens. So to the extent then that Peter's just going about his everyday business and he's walking down the street and people are laying their sick so that just so that the shadow may pass over them. It's not the shadow, but it's, I think Bill Johnson says, it's what's overshadowing him. It is the presence of God in us and on us. Yes. So I had a, I had a great fun. We, we had a team down to a church in Kent and uh, we, we led a team down there. And the... Um, the folk of the church afterwards said, look, I, uh, we want to we pray for you, we want to prophesy over you, we want to send you out, thank you so much, this is awesome. So I, I always do this, if you ever someone's going to have a word for you, always have your phone there, just, just doesn't matter who it is, what it, just get it recorded. So I've got this, this moment recorded on my phone where a lady came up to me and said, um, God has told me to remind you about uh, your shadow, healing people, and I'm going to stick my toe in your shadow. So as close as I am to Rachel, and we're having a conversation, I'm not then going, force mm, something out. No, <laughs> just having a chat about stuff, actually. And after a little while, I said, anyway, how, how's it feeling? She said, oh, it's tingling, it's tingling. So uh, the guy that leads the church comes up, oh, what's going on? Now he said, oh, yeah, that toe. It's been like that for six months now, hasn't it? She had had a crush injury to the toe. Couldn't really touch it. It was so painful still that it was a poorly healing, poorly healing fracture. Um, other things that happened to it. I really don't need to describe. You'll need to have lunch. Um, but anyway, after a short while, I said, well, how about you have a feel? She's prodding and poking this toe, which she couldn't do before. So the guy, there's a few people that know this has been going, oh, this is amazing. So I stood around going, this is, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I felt, which was right, to say to her that, do you know what, this has nothing to do with my shadow, but everything to do with your faith has made you well. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no. and I'm thinking, yeah, your faith has made you well, you know, you responded. And it sounds good, and it is true. However, for the next couple of days, it was, it was like God was just gently trying to sort of encourage me in a quite interesting way that you're wrong. <laughs> Not completely. I, her, yes, her face made her well, but actually don't underestimate the glory, the power, and the presence that you carry. Amen. This is for all of us right now. Uh-huh. Do not underestimate the glory, the power, yeah. and the presence that you carry. Amen. We went to um, the evening school uh, the following Wednesday or two, and I, I got to share the story, and I felt very specifically that we were in worship, people were to stand next to people, to stand in their shadow if they had any physical ailment or anything else that needed dealing with. No one wants to pray, we're just simply worshipping. And after a short while, someone started to clap. I say, if you notice anything, she started to clap. Um, but in the meantime, there's a lady that we've known for more than two years has been using a wheelchair because of a chronic condition. And she could only walk with two people supporting her because she had basically muscle wastage because of various things going on for her. She heard God say, get out of your chair. 
So with the two people, she goes and stands in someone's shadow. In the meantime, I felt to, to, for us to do a shadow healing tunnel. <laughs> this is so much fun. So basically what we did was, everyone stood at the front, we didn't have people facing each other, and people were invited to walk. Just no one praying. Some of the team were like, okay, we're going to lay hands, and we're like, no, no, you don't need to, just worship. It's about him, it's about his presence right now. And people walk through. And the next minute we see this lady walking through the tunnel in front of about 120 people who know her who know her story and we watch as physical strength returns to her body as she moves and walks through the tunnel and she disappears off towards the back of the auditorium area meanwhile the lady that was clapping comes forward to tell her story she's got a fractured wrist she can't do this physio later said I've not seen a wrist looking this good for a while but the lady who got up out of her chair she starts to tell her story we're worshipping and the atmosphere of heaven increases was anyone there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I knew a couple of you may have been. The atmosphere and presence of God in that moment just was phenomenal. In fact, I, I who can feel something changing as we're talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. Good, because this is where we're going. Yeah. So the atmosphere of heaven increased, and she told the story of what God had done. And she's saying, I I heard him say, get out of my chair. Her faith made her well. But she was interacting with the reality of something that was in the atmosphere. And she then started to dance. She used to be a professional dancer. She started to dance. And at that point, we lost it. (laughs) Absolutely lost it. And we're watching a lady with her life being restored. We're watching someone with their potential being restored, their future, their dreams, their family. This lady is now doing day school, full-time day school. She said, no, within a couple of weeks, wasn't it? She said, I've been trampolining, I've been dancing, I've been running. (laughs) Why did that happen? Because her faith made her well. However, if you take it back to the lady who heard God when we were at that other church, if she hadn't have responded to what she felt God was saying, would potentially that chain of events happened? I don't think it would. Mm. I don't think it would. So, Jesus never healed the sick in order to coax them to become Christians. He healed because he was nature to heal. Yes. We are partakers of a divine nature. We have this 24-7 presence of God in us. Our shadows are more powerful than we know. I think you need to know that the enemy who dwells in the shadows is absolutely petrified of us. Yes. If, he, if we could actually see what he sees in the unseen realm, if he could, we could actually appreciate what we look like, if Jesus was the exact representation, Hebrews and Colossians, and we are in him and he is in us, yes. we are absolutely terrified to the unseen realm. And the more that we understand who we are and what we carry, yeah, exactly. the more that we get to see. So, who has, um, does anyone here have a problem with Turner's syndrome? Okay, alright. Who here has that right shoulder problem? Alright. Oh yeah, I saw you earlier on, when you were stood at the back. (laughs) Um, Can I, what's your name? Opal. Opal. Um, Are you involved in prayer and intercession? 
Okay, all right, good. Because I saw an authority on you um, that I don't know that you're particularly aware of um, in terms of what you carry. Um, and, yeah, can you just raise your right arm? Just Okay, so what is the restriction in your shoulder area? Okay, all right. So are you up for a shadow healing, Donna? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> um, have you got any... Can, is it, I have a couple of time rooms. Are you all right to put a little bit of music on? Oh, yeah. Okay. Who here needs physical healing in their body? All right, excellent. So... I think what we can do is it kind of looks like if um, the rest of us kind of just form a line and kind of form a line around here and kind of through this way. 